Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Cool Zone Pod for another edition of the Cool Zone. Today, we are joined by the usual Jonathan Sullivan, my fellow co-host, and a special guest today, uh, making his podcast debut, Mark Latafe joins the pod today in the Cool Zone. Mark, how are you doing this evening? Doing well. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing fantastic. Excited for another edition of the Cool Zone Pod. Remember to follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod. DMs are always open. Uh, shout out to Dan Roach for the follow. That one follower we've got going. I know we've got more, but that was a recent follow, so I want to shout him out real quick. Be sure to listen to all things Mouthing Off Sports. we got other podcasts under this beautiful umbrella. we got Fixin' to Talk Sports, a variety sports podcast hosted by Ryan Brown. He's put out some great content recently, a lot of football talk with everything going on there. Also, Foxborough Files, that Patriots diehard podcast hosted by... Dan Roach and Zach Lacey and Mike Ayula, who was on last week with us in the cool zone here. Um, we love Maldonado Sports, and without further ado, let's get right to it. Um, the first thing we wanted to talk about today is the fact that it is the one-year anniversary since the passing of an NBA icon and legend, Kobe Bryant. Um, I know for a fact that this is a pretty painful day for me because I think... Uh, I remember exactly where I was when I found out um, the tragic news of the helicopter accident. I remember being down in Providence and refreshing Twitter for about an hour straight aimlessly. And then I pretty much went into my room, locked the door, and started bawling my eyes out for about two to three hours just reading people's messages about Kobe Bryant on Twitter and whatnot. So um, definitely a sad day. But um, to look on you know, the brighter side, the impact that he really had on the game um, with talent, the way he was helping young guys growing the game and uh he was just an all-around good guy on the court and off the court so he's somebody that will always be missed somebody that society could use more of these days um i don't know and definitely just the day where we remember kobe and you know we miss him a lot i don't know how do you guys what do you guys remember the most about kobe if you had to pick one thing that you know pops into your mind when you think of kobe bryant what would you say is the first thing maybe that pops into your head anyone you can go first Nothing, no words. Okay, hey, that we respect that. We respect that. <laughs> what about you, Mark? You got anything? I mean, it's definitely the eighty-one point game. Everyone remembers that, and they just played on ESPN the other day. So, mm-hmm. but uh, to note back to where I was when he passed away, I was with Ryan actually. Oh yeah, we were at the gym, finishing leg day, and uh, doing some wall sits. And Ryan just looks at me and goes, "Dude, look at your phone. Look at it. Same thing." Didn't do the crying part, though, but we sat there for, like, another 20 minutes before we did anything else. Mm-hmm. Distraught. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, no, it's something that you really didn't expect. Like, when you, get, when you read that sentence initially, I don't think anybody really, like, believed it at first. You know, people probably just thought it was TMZ propaganda, but, um, you know, it's something that really hit the community hard, but I'm sure uh, tonight you're going to see a lot of nice little tributes to Kobe in all the games. Uh, Kyrie Irving already showing up to his game tonight in a Kobe Bryant jersey. So, you know, probably more of that to come. And uh, obviously just today we really uh, thinking about uh, the Bryant family and everybody that was close to them and everybody that was impacted by that tragic accident. But moving on, uh, as we always have to, 
So let's talk about some stuff going around the league today. We got obviously get hit back with the coronavirus. This is becoming a weekly thing, unfortunately, but that's just the way it is. The Memphis Grizzlies just had their league-leading fifth game consecutively postponed. Uh, I believe that is a record. I think the Celtics missed like three or four games. I don't. Yeah, three games sounds right. I don't think they got to five. Um, so the Grizzlies now their fifth game postponed. The Wizards also missed a whole week, but I don't know if that was five games either. Um, so this this is really going to hit the Grizzlies hard. Obviously, they're not a team that's we really expected to do much this season. So um, not really too much of a, a big deal. But for the Grizzlies themselves, they got some stuff to figure out. And also one of the other weird things uh, going on around the coronavirus in the NBA, the Miami Heat are using COVID-sniffing dogs to screen their fans, the 2,000 or 10% of capacity fans that they're going to start allowing in soon to their arenas. They are already uh, working to sell tickets to their games so basically, fans are going to come in, they're going to get sniffed by these dogs that have been highly trained, they're very skilled, and apparently are able to sniff out the coronavirus in people. Uh, if the dog sits, apparently, that means uh, the, the person they're sniffing and whatnot has the coronavirus. A study in Germany last year that they did with these dogs apparently proved to be 94% effective. So, pretty high rate, not perfect. Uh, if I was like a front office person or uh, somebody running whether we should have fans in my arena or not, 94% is good. Like it's really good considering, but at the same time, that 6% leaves you pretty vulnerable to one you know, person getting in and that can be spread obviously throughout in there. But hopefully it works out and uh, I guess the only thing I'll ask you guys about this is do you think you'll see other teams necessarily do this or things like this to try and ramp up efforts to get fans back into their arenas uh, Jonathan if you want any um, I don't think you'll see a lot of teams do this because I don't think you'll see a lot of teams that are going to try to push for fans like very uh, quickly depending on like the city they're in and the state they're in uh, not to make it like political and stuff like that Yeah, I mean, but, every team just does what they're going to do but I don't I kind of like the idea. I am interested. So if, if a dog, if they're only ninety four percent effective, which is as you mentioned is pretty good, are they gonna? If the dog sits, are they gonna take the fan and just rapid test him or her in like some room? Do they have some of those fifteen minute rapid tests to confirm so it or deny they, it? They do have rapid antigen tests that they can offer, especially to fans that might be allergic to dogs, or I guess for some other reason don't want to adhere to the dog screening. Um, those are about, they take about 45 minutes though, from what I was reading earlier on ESPN.com. Um, so I think that option is there for any fans who would rather do that. And if they, the dog does sit, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if they would just turn him away, to be honest with you. Like, is everyone like, I know that they're going to be wearing, like, everyone's going to be wearing masks when they're walking into the game at least. Right. Like, so I don't know how they're letting people in. Like if it's just like a steady stream of people or if it's like staggered breaks and I th- stuff like I that? Think, I think it's probably very staggered because I think I know where you're going with this. If you imagine all everybody yeah, standing in a line and one person... Positive, then everyone like starts like, like the, freaking out. Right, they're screwed. It's going to be massive panic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how exactly they're handling that. They, I guess they've been working on this for months, so I'm sure they've thought of it, but it wasn't wasn't necessarily that scenario wasn't in the article I was reading, but I'd like to think that they probably test somebody if the dog did sit and, you know, um, so we'll see how that works out. Um, but moving forward, 
So, as we talked about a lot last week, the Brooklyn Nets traded for Houston Rockets superstar James Harden and gave up a, a bevy of players to get him there. So we got a little update. You know, uh, James Harden's been there for five games. He's got the Nets to a 3-2 and record while he's been there with wins over the Milwaukee Bucks, the Orlando Magic, and recently the Miami Heat. He's been averaging 23 points, 12 assists, and 8 rebounds over that stretch. Uh, the only concern is that back-to-back they dropped to the Cavs recently. Uh, once they got Kyrie back, James Harden numbers have shortened a little bit, as you would expect, but still 17 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, but that 1-2 record with just that one win they just picked up against Miami the other night. Um, Jared Allen, who got sent to Cleveland, has been playing well. Obviously less minutes. He played 31 minutes, then 19, then 26. So around 25 minutes a game in Cleveland. But still putting out some decent numbers, even with a lot of tall players there in Cleveland. And Oladipo struggling to shoot the ball a little bit, but still overall playing well in Houston. Who knows where he will end up. Um, the Nets are currently eyeing Kevin Love and JaVale McGee in trades. Uh, personally, I would say both those players are not going to solve any of the problems they have. Because as we've seen, the Nets can score points. They pretty much lead the Eastern Conference or are tied with the Bucks in the Eastern Conference in points per game. But their defense has been struggling. They've been giving up tons and tons of points they have no interior defense seeing as deandre jordan is the only true center on this team and he was getting outplayed by jared allen uh beforehand who they dished away to cleveland so i would put my money more on than landing javel mcgee um but you wonder if maybe they didn't have any better options or if they really just haven't looked for better trade options at that center position because they're going to need to find some other backup center because DeAndre Jordan's good, but he is kind of washed. He is old, so they'll have to figure out what they want to do there. And the last thing relating to last week before we get into more recent um, news over the past week is Kevin Porter. You know, he threw his tantrum in the Cleveland Cavaliers locker room. He got traded to Houston for a second-round pick, kind of as Mike and Jonathan predicted on last week's pod. So we'll see what kind of an impact he makes to that roster. Probably not immediate. But we will soon see how that goes. Um, how are you guys feeling about the Nets? I don't know if you've been paying close enough attention. But how do you think they're progressing over these past five games and the past three games now that they have their trio of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden now all playing at the same time? I think they'll be okay. I I don't expect them to not make the playoffs or not make a run in the playoffs. But I also don't think they're the best team since the Warriors, which I feel like you had some people like Mike on the pod last week. I think Mike's very bullish on the Nets because if you look at the top of their roster, is so star-studded. And they do have some okay depth, I would say, now. They traded away some of their depth that I thought made them elite before the Harden trade. But I think they'll be fine. I would still, I would still pick them to come out of the East today. I thought they were going to come out of the East even before the Harden trade, and I'd still pick them to come out of the East today. But... Maybe I'm wrong, but I would expect by come March and April, they'll probably be kicking into a group. But, you know, as we did talk about last week, especially Harden and Kyrie, they worry me. If I was a Nets fan, I would be very, very worried. I feel like you have to walk around on eggshells around both of them. And Durant is also a fairly sensitive player. He gets into Twitter fights all the time. You know that he... As much as he might say that he doesn't look at the media and blocks out the media and what people say about him, 
everyone knows that he really, really cares about what people say about him. He had those burner accounts when he was in Golden State. So I'm not I'm not putting the panic I'm not pushing the panic button yet, but I am cautiously treading around the nets. Watching I'm, I'm very nets closely yes. from afar, yeah. But I still think they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But if in a month from now they're still like five hundred meddling then you might have a real panic on your hands. Mm-hmm. They sit 10-8 and eight right now, uh, fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. They are actually tied with the Pacers, obviously don't own that tiebreaker, but they're only two and a half games out of first place, still early on, only about 18 games into the season, so they have plenty of time to get things together. you have anything to add, Mark? I have to agree that they probably are the favorites still coming out of the East, but that is kind of without proof. It's kind of just basing it off of the three players that are star-studded, in those three, but they have very high-strung personalities, the three of them, and one's coming off an Achilles injury, another one's coming off two years in a row of just terrible injuries throughout, and then you got James Harden, who's now averaging much less points per game, so you don't, I don't know, I, I have them coming out of the East, but, you know, if Kyrie gets hurt, it's just the two of them, I'd say, I'd say it's a little more of a throw-up between them, the Celtics, the Bucks. Well, I'll tell you, the way Philadelphia is playing lately, mm. like their roster is very, very talented. Good. We talked a little bit about this yeah. last I love, week. I love the way they're yeah. set up. They have problems, though. They can't win away. Yeah, but if, Even they're without the one, fans. if they're the one seed, they won't have to. True. Definitely true, but I don't see them being the one seed. Mm. They are right now, aren't they? Yeah, they are 12-5 yes. and five right now. They are. Obviously, a lot, of, a lot of way to go for them, but listen... Um, you're getting a really high level of amount, caliber of play from Tobias Harris, who has been flamed in the past for that contract that he was given based off his play last year. Uh, but, I mean, it, this this conversation really centers around Joel Embiid. 100%. Um, I mean, if he continues playing with an MVP fire under his ass, then this team is going to be in a very good position regardless. I mean, he's always been a guy who struggled to stay on the court. And this year, he seems really primed, really healthy. And his jump shot looks... I, I say jump because he didn't really jump that high. But his shot looks good um, in every facet. I mean, he's shooting the ball well from pretty much everywhere in the court. And he gets to the line a lot. Mm-hmm. Free throw shooting has definitely improved for him as well. So he's really just um, diversified his game and uh, made himself a very big threat on the court. So, with that being said, let's talk about some other stuff going on. Uh, news today about a potential All-Star game around that first week of March. Mm-hmm. They weren't originally going to do it, but now um, they're actually thinking about doing it and hosting it at a local HBCU in the Atlanta area near Turner Sports Studios. Um, I would be kind of surprised if they pushed it, but I don't know. It really depends on how uh, how much push that this, you know, how how badly the players and the players organization, union, whatever, um, how badly they want to play the game. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea, but I understand the all-star break is kind of a, you know, guys like socializing and having a nice break off, but with the amount of postponements, they're already trying to try and use that week to reschedule some games. So I, I don't know if there's going to be time. Maybe if the coronavirus was handled better, maybe they would do, uh, they would have more confidence doing the All-Star game. But who knows? Maybe they'll still make it work. Obviously, you have to stay tuned on that. One of the funny things that happened earlier this week, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Shaq kind of feuding 
not directly too much, but Shaq talked on Inside the NBA about how Donovan Mitchell is not a lead, you know, a true leader. He's not going to win you anything, and he's not a true superstar. And Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley also pretty much agreeing with him. Kenny Smith talking about his little, the prerequisites he have for a guy being a superstar, having to really dominate and affect the game at six different levels. And pretty much the agreement on the show was that Donovan Mitchell really only affecting the game uh, as far as points go, not affecting it with defense, rebounds, assists, uh, leadership, and stuff like that. So I guess I'll propose the same question that they were talking about on uh, Inside the NBA. How do you guys view Donovan Mitchell? Is he a superstar or is he still just only all-star caliber right now? He's a superstar, 100%. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay, why? I mean, compar- comparatively, you could if you don't think Kyrie, if you think Kyrie's a superstar, they have very comparable attributes, skill set, and numbers. Okay. Well, now you could argue his defense lacks or his passing isn't that great, but you could say the same thing about other really good, really star-studded players. Like who who comes to mind that you think of right away in that I already said Kyrie. Okay. Um, well, listen. You have to give me a sec. I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> well, so Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he's averaging about 24 points a game, four rebounds, five assists. So I mean, he's not really impacting either of those facets. Uh, point, like less than one steal, less than one block. So again, I don't think he's really impacting defensively. So I, I guess what I'll ask: Do you think, do you think a guy can really just be a high tier scorer, somebody like a Carmelo Anthony in the past? And still be considered superstar? Like, would you have back in when Melo was winning scoring titles, you know, taking 25, 30 shots a game, would you would you consider Carmelo Anthony at that time a superstar? Yes. Okay. I still think so. Yeah, I, I, I only like asked that. James Harden argument. Right, but James Harden, I feel like, does affect the game more with his passing. I think he got a, a lot of slack in the beginning because of how much he was scoring on that team and he was kind of the only option there that he wasn't passing the ball. But this guy's been getting double-digit assists. I think he's been averaging almost double-digit assists for multiple years now. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you think Zach Levine is a superstar? No. Okay. I was going to compare the two, but that's fair. So your point stands between those two. I tend to agree with... Um, I tend to agree with the guys like Shaq and, and Kenny Smith and uh, and Charles on this one. As, as as dangerous as agreeing with Charles Barkley is on pretty much anything. Listen, Donovan Mitchell is a fantastic player. And he's a, a very, very elite scorer in this league. He can score from anywhere on the court. Uh, I also feel the same way about Jamal Murray. He could score from anywhere on the same court. But I don't consider Jamal Murray a superstar in the game either. I think when you it all comes down to your definition of superstar versus like I don't know whether you want to say star, all star, all NBA, whatever. Um, I don't like the idea of just tossing around. You get a superstar. You get a superstar. You get a superstar. You know what I mean? Like uh, I think superstar should really be reserved for guys who have an incredible impact on the game in multiple facets. And I think that's what's really important. I'm not saying that the fact that Donovan Mitchell can score from anywhere at an elite level doesn't make him valuable. But I think you have to provide more than just be able to score to be a superstar 
in this league. What about Steph Curry? Well, he's a superstar. Right. Yeah. The scoring. <clears throat> but not only scoring. He can pass. What is the average, though, for assists per game? Wow. If it's comparable, then it's, well, it's let's, not an argument anymore, you know what I mean? Let's find out. But the other thing I will argue with about Steph Curry is I think he is a bigger leader uh, than Donovan Mitchell. I think he's more outspoken. Um, How old is Mitchell? 24. He's a, he's a young kid, and that's Steph, the other thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't... Yeah, Steph, Steph's Steph, older. He bloomed into one, let's say, right? Mm. Okay, that's fine. But we are talking about right now. I'm not saying that Donovan Mitchell can't or won't become a superstar in the NBA. I just don't think he is right now. I don't think he is yet. And that's another thing that they talked about on the show. He definitely can be. I just don't think he's there yet. So Curry this year is averaging about 28 points per game, mm-hmm. about five and a half boards, six assists, uh, about a steal per game. So slightly better in point every step. facet, yeah, but not by better. not by a ridiculous amount. Correct. But I, I think the way Curry plays, but it's you got to remember Curry this season. I don't want to let this season be the be all end all. I think these numbers aren't the same as far as his whole entire career goes. I'll have to try and see if I can whip that up like real yeah, quick. I got his I got his stats right here. Okay, yeah, so help me out. His his season where he won fifteen sixteen, which is the year I think he won MVP like unanimously. Yes. Mm-hmm. He averaged 30 points, 5.5 boards, and 7 assists. That's amazing. And 2 steals. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and, I don't think and, you'll ever see that out of Donovan Mitchell. And even the, even Curry at that time was being said by people in the media that he couldn't defend, that he was like a bad defender. And he was averaging 2 steals a game over the course of a whole entire season, along with 30 points and 5, uh, five rebounds, 7 assists. That's, that's superstar level, and he's affecting the game – but it's the way that he affected the game, the fact that he could pull up from distance and get hot so fast. And Donovan Mitchell has that ability in him. Mm-hmm. I just think he scores more, you know, I don't think he's all three-pointer. He shouldn't be all three-pointer. Sometimes he gets that Marcus Smart um, little injection into his veins where he just starts hucking up threes. You know, can, I, can I read you something? That Please do. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 24, 4, and 4. 24... Four and four. 24, four and five. That's Donovan Mitchell's last, last three years. Yeah, mm-hmm. Almost, so he hasn't, he hasn't almost even, identical. Which means he's not really I improving. think I agree. I'm on your side, Nick. I think he's I think he's a three. Like a, of the stars, he's like a three. I'm like a, of a big three. He'll make some all star games. He feels like a like a Chris Bosch to me. Almost. Ooh, okay. Um, I, I don't like that. I think he's more of a two. Mm, I think you're sleeping on how good Chris Bosh was in Toronto before he went to Miami. Oh, Toronto, yes. But, okay, so you're saying that if he were to combine with two other, like, big stars, that he would be at the three in well, his I mean, his I will say this. There, there is I, some talk that he could potentially come to the Celtics because he's pretty Donovan? good friends with Tatum and Brown. They this always are. And Kemba. They always are. Well, I think Kemba's off the Celtics when he would, like, in oh, this Oh, come into this scenario. picture? Yeah. yeah, 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 I got you. I could, too many guards. They yeah, are pretty good friends with each other and stuff like that. But Donovan Mitchell, I don't know. He just... I remember his rookie year, and you'll remember this too, Nick. He played OKC in the first round and, like, cooked them. Like, cooked Nailing shots down the stretch, he he's the reason, like, OKC, I mean, they lost that series because they weren't a, that good of a team that were led by a stat patter. Oh, yeah. But he was so good, like, in that series. I remember watching him and thinking, like, man, like, 
the Celtics, because the talk was then, like, who's the best rookie in the class? And people were like, the Celtics should have drafted Donovan Mitchell over Jason Tatum if you could redraft right now. And now I think sitting here today, would anyone here take Don, – Donovan Mitchell a good player, but would anyone here take Jason uh, Donovan Mitchell over Jason Tatum? No. Oh, God, no. no Tatum way. is, one, he's two years younger, and <clears throat> two, he's better than Donovan Mitchell by like, – a good amount, in I, my opinion. I, I think uh, it might be a bold statement, but I, I, I don't even know if it's really a bold statement. I think Tatum's a better scorer. I think uh, he, he averages more points. Well, yeah, that's kind of the basis for the argument. But at the same time, and I, I think it's he shoot Tatum shoots more efficiently, and I think Mitchell gets too often into I don't want to say happy feet, but the same analogy to where he just kind of shoots too much and tries to shoot himself out of. Um, slumps and stuff like that you know they always preach to just keep shooting but I think you have to be smart about it in some point and that is a, a pun intended at Marcus Smart but anyway um, but yeah I, I definitely agree with everything there listen I, I said it before I'll say it again he is going to be a fantastic player in this league uh, what worries me is the fact that his numbers are so identical over like several years he said three years right that worries me um I would have liked to see his shooting percentages. Would did they look were they similar? Was he shooting the ball better or worse, or were they kind of around like the same point? Because all right, this is his last three years. Okay. This first is field goal percentage. Then I'll do three point percent. Okay, okay, yeah. Field goal percentage: forty three percent on twenty shots a game, nineteen point nine. The next year. 45% on 19 shots a game. This year, 44% on 19 points a game. It's actually absurd looking at this. I can show you, Mark. But his field goals made are 8.6, 8.7, 8.6 in the last three years on 19.9, 19.4, 19 19.4. I mean, he has been almost the exact same player. So he's a robot. For three straight years. He shot 36% three years ago, 37% uh, last year. He's shooting 41% this year, uh, albeit on more attempts, but also in less games. So I do worry Smaller that he may come back to the mean <laughs> over the course of the season. So he's literally a robot. Like, he reminds me of those uh, robots that they made over in, like, Japan where they would shoot the basketball and it would, like, automatically go in because they would calculate the exact force or something. Mm. He's literally a robotic player. That's insanity. Consistency. Um, consistency is true, but again, is 24-4-4 going to win you a championship in this league? Not alone. The answer, yes, is not it, alone. It will if you're the number three on a team. It will. <laughs> Even the number two. Yeah, well, the problem is they decided to whip out the, the Brinks truck with $200 million for a guy who averages 11 points a game. Deep Rudy? Rudy. Deep Rudy. Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> and while he obviously can affect uh, the game at the rim... Uh, I I I I can't I I I don't even know what to say. Like the I don't the, think we ever talked about that too much. The Jazz they're a nice team. They're like they're really the Pacers of the West. I completely agree. Like they're a nice team, but no one actually thinks they're going to win every, anything. Right. They're ever. always underrated, but they're always in it. They'll always be there. They'll mm-hmm. they'll might make a second round. They they're, might even mess around and make an Eastern Conference they're final. They're a regular season year. darling. But they're never winning anything, just like the Pacers are. I feel the never same way about anything. the Nuggets. Yeah. When when they when the Jazz go up against teams with top-tier talent, and Russell Westbrook's good, but that doesn't count, okay? He's a totally different animal. 
But when the Jazz go up against those type of teams, they fall. I mean, they fell to the Nuggets in the same way. No, and the Nuggets, huh? Yeah, the Jazz, they don't, no one's picking the Jazz to win the championship. And right. rightly so, they're not going to win. They're not. Well, Steve Kerr certainly thinks they could win the championship. Okay, but that's, well, I think that's a load of cap. They're a nice team. They're they're a nice team. Yeah, nice. They're just missing a piece they're, or two. And they're a small nice. market, and that's tough. Which is why I compare. Really I really think agents. they are literally the Indiana Pacers of the West. Mm. Nice team, some good young players. Mitchell versus Sabonis. And then you lose to a guy like LeBron every year. You're not going anywhere. Yep, I agree. I I don't think they'll really go anywhere either. I'm surprised that they've even made it this far. I I honestly it makes me want to look and see who they've been beating to see if they've had an easy schedule or not. But uh, regardless, uh, I thought that was uh, really interesting. Uh, on a more fun note, um, Vince Carter on an episode of The Jump put out a dunk list, a short dunk list of his top three current dunkers in the NBA. Okay. And from one to three, it was Zach Levine, Derek Jones Jr., and Aaron Gordon. So I guess something real short and quick. Uh, you like this list? You think there's anybody that's missing? I say, on this list? I don't like dunk like Derek Jones Jr. and like Aaron Gordon, like. Those are dunk contest dunkers. Mm-hmm. I like. I've never really like the dunk contest is fine, but when I consider like elite dunkers, I always you mean in game. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I look for in game. Which like, is Zach Levine. Like yeah, Zach 100%. Levine. But also early school, like Russell Westbrook might be one of the best dunkers I've ever seen. Oh, like in game young Westbrook. That yeah. dude for his size could throw down. He would demolish rims. It was I, like. Almost scary. Like, you would thought he was going to hurt himself. The in-game dunks to me are so much more impressive than the dunk contest. Dunks. Yeah. Oh, well, of course. I like that. Yeah. Way so more like, pressure. When I, when I would rank... And, like, Blake Griffin. When I would... Yeah, when mm. I would rank, like, dunkers... Although, he would throw... But you have like, to do current dunkers. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't put Derek Jones Jr. on the team on the list just simply because he doesn't play enough. Like, Devontae mm. Green's a really good dunker, but he's not going on the best dunkers in the NBA because he barely plays. Right. Right, right. So right, who right. would you replace him with if you could just think of on the spot? Anybody come to mind right away? I mean, like, Giannis dunks all the time. Yeah, but does he do I mean, it in a like, fashion that's, I, like, I'm thinking of, like, the Westbrook, like, dunkers, like... Levine's I still feel like dunker. LeBron makes, like, very impactful yeah. dunks, even like, at his age. Jalen Brown's a pretty good dunker. Oh, yeah. I love seeing Jalen Brown even go Tatum, for dunks. Even Tatum's a sneaky, pretty good dunker. Oof. Like, he hasn't had a poster in a while, but... The poster he, of LeBron yeah, and the, 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 he had the one Eastern Conference He had finals. one either last year or two years ago where he, like, spun and then dunked on Ben Simmons. That one was pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I I would put Jalen Brown on the list. I, I think he can, he can yam. Um... You mentioned Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to just like think of like other players, but yeah, I, I wouldn't put Derek Jones Jr. Players. or Aaron Gordon on the list at all because that's coming from dunk contest dunks, and I don't count those. Yeah, I I don't. I I pretty much agree with you on all of that there. Uh, I guess I would just shout out my boy Hamadou Diallo, former dunk contest winner. He still kind of throws down, but he Jared Allen throws down. That is true. Jared Allen does throw down Always. some mean dunks. You give him some I do. I would say this too. I feel like, and you talk about the Giannis thing. I feel like <clears> once you get over like six ten, and like you start throwing, I feel like the best ferocious dunkers are like smaller guys. And when I say smaller, I mean like six three to like six six. Yeah, yeah. it's it just because it's it. You don't expect it when you the tall guys come in. You kind of you're just like, yeah, yeah. you're a big guy. But yeah, when somebody like Westbrook does it, you're like, whoa. Yeah, because he's going amongst the trees and like a John Morant. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, John Morant. I don't know why I wouldn't even think of him. You should have thought of him. His dunking is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, 
But I feel like he, he he's starting to teeter on that level where he misses too much. And don't sleep on Well, it's because like, he goes for really crazy ones. Right. Which is fine with me. I mean, that's what we want. Zion, too, is a pretty good dunker. But yeah. But he's he a fat dunk, boss. He doesn't, he doesn't dunk over anyone because he can't jump over anyone. He can't. Anyone. He just goes for fat. the power In, in transition, he's like, he can really throw down. Yeah. But I feel like Zion's never come down the lane and, like, dunk over, like, like the whole defense. No, you know he what I mean? kind of just goes for the layup and the foul mm. every time. Yeah, I think Taco Fall has better dunks than Zion. <laughs> when Taco stands on his tippy toes and, <laughs> and just kind of puts it in. All right. Um, uh, Damian Lillard came out. Uh, with a new line of shoes, uh, I don't even know what it's called. It, it pissed me off too much to really care about what the name of it is. Uh, but it's o- Oklahoma City Thunder themed with their colors. And Damian Lillard's stat line from Game 5 when he hit that 8,000-foot buzzer beater shot to send the Thunder out of the playoffs. And, you know, the, in, the infamous wave yes. to the entire Thunder team. This This kind of pissed me off more than I thought. Not only just because it's disrespecting my squad, Savage. but I feel like the beef was with Westbrook and, like, George, and literally all those guys from that team they play are gone. So, like, I feel like this was super petty. And, you know, if I got to sit and watch another stupid Bolt 24 commercial with Damian Lillard on it, I'm going to start tuning away. Like, this, this guy started to piss me off. I didn't really hate Damian Lillard. I kind of liked the guy. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead, yeah. You're, you're releasing shoes like this with a playoff line from what? The first round of the Western Conference? Correct. Can you answer me this? Yeah. How many MVPs has Damian Lillard won? Zero. How many NBA Finals has Damian Lillard won? Zero. How many NBA Finals has Damian Lillard been to? Zero. Why is he releasing shoes on the first round? <sighs> I mean, that makes me... Uh, that sounds uh, like uh, someone that cares about his stats. It's called a riding the hype wave. A little too much. That's that, yeah, if I was Portland... If, even if I was Portland fans, I mean... I, this would piss me off. It'd be a little Bro, worried. I'll be, if I see Tatum release shoes of, like, his stat line, like, against a team that they win, or, like, in, in the first round of the playoffs... The first round of the playoffs? Like, I understand you have, like, a rivalry and stuff, but, yeah. like... I mean... It just strikes me as a guy that cares a lot about his, his stats. And, he and about really, flexing. Yeah. You know, and the other Win thing, something, please, before you start flexing. I know he loves his music, and I don't want to hate on a guy for trying to, like, be more creative and use his platform for what he really enjoys. But, like, things like this start to make you wonder where his priorities lie, you know? I mean, if he's... If he's going to get himself... Like, he's also been known to get in beefs with a lot of other uh, players in big competitive games. You know, not only just with Oklahoma City, but um, he does love himself a little Twitter beef. So, I mean, I don't know. I I would tend to agree with Jonathan, and I know I'm biased, but at the same time, I think I would be a little concerned. Uh, Regardless, he's still a fantastic player, but he's kind of a bitch in my book. I ain't going to lie. Wait, wait, wait. To play devil's advocate for a second. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let's just go down a different path here. Okay. Let's just assume he has the meeting with his agents, everyone he has to get with to make the shoes, right? What if it wasn't actually his idea, but it was their idea, and he just knew that there was going to be a lot more money to come from it than doing just a normal... So you think it was money-oriented? He thought he'd get more money? Easily. Even approving it strikes me the wrong way. Riding the hype wave from last season. When you say a money thing, I mean... He isn't he signed to like a five year, two hundred something million dollar contract. I really don't think that's fair. Enough, I don't think putting out. Rap? I don't think putting out that shoe is going to get him that many more buys. 
And I, I, if he cares more about getting that many more buys on his shoes, is this guy in debt or something? Like, there's no way. So I don't know how money he could talks. Be. I don't know. I, mean, like, money I thought it was talk. crazy that Evander Kane, that hockey player for the Sharks, was in debt. And he's been making millions of dollars. He's like $27 million in debt. I mean, maybe maybe Lillard could be in debt. I, I, but I doubt it. It, yeah. it, it struck me. It just, it, it just pissed me off. But regardless... Uh, moving on to some other headlines from the past week. Steph Curry moved to second all-time in three-pointers. He passed Reggie Miller. Uh, real quick, um, when all's said and done, I think it's pretty agreed upon that he's going to be uh, you know, the, 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 the player with the most three-pointers made of all time. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's anybody playing right now that could ever pass him? And also a follow-up, if the answer is no, um, do you think anybody in the future will ever Get close to Curry's record that he whatever he finishes. To answer your first question, yeah, Aaron Smith. That's a this is a that's a joke for anyone that wanted to know. You almost just spit out your drink. Best shooter in the draft. He's Um, that percentage is going up. I think, yeah, I think it's possible, especially if Curry retires early because he was hurt like for the first part of his career. And obviously he shoots a lot. I'm trying to think of like act player like Trey Young. Trey Young is the number one that comes to my mind. He's that, basically a step that dude takes junior. a ton of threes. Mm-hmm. And especially if he bangs around for like in the league for maybe like four or five years. more years than like Curry does, because I mentioned previously Curry one Curry came out after his junior year, so that's two years that Trey Young has on him coming out Maybe. after his freshman year of college, and. Two Curry was like hurt for a few seasons. He missed a bunch of games. And to answer your second question, a hundred percent, someone will pass Steph Curry because of the Curry's transformed the game. Even since Curry came in, like now you like you have consistently had people shooting like double digit threes a game, like averaging yeah ten threes a game. It's it's gonna get broken as long as the league continues trending the way it was. It is. And I don't see any reason why it uh why it won't. Like a guy like Trey Young stays in the league for twenty years and. Dude's averaging like 10 threes a game for 20 years. He's going to pass stuff. I can't necessarily disagree with that. Trey Young is probably the most likely. I do know that there's an interesting stat. James Harden is pretty pretty high up there on the lists as well. Mm-hmm. But I did read that he's played like over 100 more games than Steph. Like maybe 200 more games than Steph. Something like that. And has still 300 less three-pointers made. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to note, but... He's up there still, and he's still in the NBA, so he yeah. has a good shot at it. If yeah, I don't think he'll do it, but like you said, definitely has a good shot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, tonight, a little history in the NBA has been made. Uh, two female officials are working the Charlotte Hornets in Orlando Magic game tonight. That's the first time that's ever happened. Uh, pretty soon, hopefully, we get to see a full entire female officiated squad. I mean, it's trending in that direction. And uh, hopefully that becomes the norm. Get a little diversity in the refereeing. In a, I mean, listen, uh, refereeing in almost every sport has been pretty much male-dominated. Mm-hmm. And only recently, uh, also you saw with the Super Bowl, the, for the first time ever, there's going to be a female ref in the Super Bowl. So it seems to be trending in the right direction for the diversity crowd. And that's always a good thing for uh, sports. You know, definitely need a little more of that. Anyway, uh, lastly... I have a couple players I wanted to shout out. Um, like I said last week, I want to do a few shout outs pretty much every week. Kind of some non-big time superstar guys that have been playing really well as of late. 
First one is Clint Capella. Clint Capella has been balling as of late. Uh, he almost had a 30-30 and 30 game um, five days ago against Detroit. He finished with 27 points and 26 rebounds wow. against the Pistons in their overtime win. It, yes, it did go to overtime, but he was already at 20-20 and 20 before overtime, I believe. Um, and then, so for the past, the past four games... Or three games, technically, since we last spoke. He's been averaging around 20 points, a little over 20 points a game. And also has been averaging over 15 rebounds a game. Uh, and most notably, he, he posted a triple-double against the T-Wolves uh, three days ago. He had 13 points, 19 rebounds, and 10 blocks. Uh, 10 blocks is an absurd stat. Whenever guys do this, like they're in a groove. And Clint Capella is really starting to get in a groove. And if he can keep himself healthy, he just got listed as questionable for tomorrow's game against the Clippers with a hand injury. But if he gets himself to stay healthy, he's going to have uh, a lot of success this year uh, for all you fantasy Johns out there. He's averaging about 25 fantasy points a game. Very good. Very, very good for Clint Capella. Also, another guy to give a little love to is Kristaps Porzingis. Since he's come back from injury, he has been balling. He's been averaging over 20 points a game and around 10 rebounds a game. Uh, In fantasy, that pretty much translates to over 30 fantasy points a game in his last three outings. He is another guy that the Mavericks have needed to ball out because Luka Doncic needs some help with a struggling Mavs team that is sitting around 500. Um, Doncic is obviously one of the best players in the league, a guy who pretty much deserves some extra help. So Porzingis being healthy and playing well is one thing that Dallas loves to see. Another player, uh, OG Anudaboy. I think Daniel Tice just got, was that a foul on Daniel Tice or yeah, something? Yeah, unsurprisingly a foul on Daniel Tice. We're going to talk, we're almost on the NBA, so we can get into the Celtics and we can filter in some live Celtics Bulls coverage game just started now. But um, OG Anunoboy, he's been balling lately, kind of replacing the slack that Siakam has been uh, displaying for the Raptors lately, and they're, they're in a big hole in the Eastern Conference. And lastly, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Kendrick Nunn has been balling in replacement of Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, who have been out for various reasons, injury and COVID-related. Shout out to Kendrick Nunn. Uh, also on my fantasy team, love that guy. Uh, okay, one last thing before we get to the Celtics. Uh, I do need your focus for a hot sec. It is, we talked about, you talked about uh, earlier when we were talking about Donovan Mitchell. Would you have taken Jason Tatum over Donovan Mitchell? We obviously said no. Uh, I saw an interesting tweet earlier. No, you said, in yes. the said the wrong way around. Did I say it? Th- okay, yeah. you know what I meant. Yes, I Obviously take meant. Tatum over Mitchell. Um, I saw an interesting tweet earlier in the week that was a throwback to... Um, the 2016 draft class and some of their the best players in it. Um, actually, this might have been a different year. This wasn't the the Brown. I'm sorry, not the Tatum year. Uh, four players. This is from the 2016 draft class. You got Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Demonte Sabonis, and Ben Simmons. Uh, rank them one to four. Obviously, from best to worst. So, what would you guys say? Like right now, say those four again. So Jalen Brown. Yep. Brandon Ingram, yep. Demonte Sabonis, Pacers, mm-hmm. and Ben Simmons. All right, Ingram, Brown, Sabonis, Simmons. What do you got, Mark? Need a minute? Uh, I prefer to at this with with this season included so far. At this point in time, the way they're playing right now, I think is probably what uh, it's going off of. I know Ingram's balling. 
but I'm going to use a little bias. I'd rather go Jalen Brown, Ingram, I'm going to say Simmons, and then Sabonis. Yeah, so the one thing, um, I, I read a lot of comments to this tweet, excuse me, and Ben Simmons was pretty low, and I'm not surprised because his offensive numbers have been nothing like they were in pre- previous years. Uh, myself, I would say Jalen Brown, DeMontis Sabonis, Brandon Ingram, and then uh, Ben Simmons. I mean, Sabonis is so valuable, and I've talked about it before. But what he offers to you as a stretch big man, he can shoot the ball well. He shoots it well from three as well. And then he kind of he even dominates down low. I mean, that's a guy that you can really do a lot with in an offensive system. Um, nothing against, obviously, Brown, Simmons, and Ingram. But, you know, they're obviously Simmons plays more of a point guard. But as far as height-wise, they're all similar heights. And they kind of, uh, at least Ingram and Brown, kind of even have a similar game. Ingram, I think, shoots a little more. But Brown's starting to shoot more this year. So who who the hell knows? Um, but I really like Sabonis, so I want to give him his fair credit. I'm totally not biased at all just because he played in Oklahoma City for a year or two. Okay. That being said, we can get to our hometown boys, those Boston Celtics. Let's go, boys. So, first thing we got to mention, we got to shout out Jalen Brown, who, against the Cavaliers Sunday night, we're recording this Monday, January 25th, so right. yesterday, um, he got 33 points in 19 minutes, which is a new record. Stud. Uh Kevin Durant had the old record, I believe, for 30 points in less than 20 minutes. Now Jalen Brown holds that record for most points in under 20 minutes of play. So shout out Jalen Brown, who's been balling lately. More on him later. As the game is being played right now, Jason Tatum is back playing for the Celtics. No minutes restriction tonight against the Bulls. Uh, haven't noticed how much or how well he's been playing in the first couple minutes of the he first quarter. He hit a jumper and he has a layup. He has at least, he has at least four. Deuce Senior. Yeah, well, as far as this replay that we're watching goes, a little step back, fader over the defender. He's smiling. He's happy to be back in the court, and we love Looks to like see that. Looks like he didn't that. get a haircut, though. And that's just fine. Whatever how did he was, though. <laughs> oh, Nice reverse layup by JT, too. Hey. Okay. All right, so the only bad news that we got as far as the Celtics, um, before we get to a couple L's that they faced last week, was obviously Peyton Pritchard going down for a couple weeks with that mild MCL it. sprain. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, so hopefully everything goes well and he gets back on the court soon because he was a great help off the bench. Uh, with a, He was kind of a gritty player, so we definitely need him back as soon as possible. Okay. That was a very good injury outcome comparatively to what we all anticipated, oh, however. Yeah, because when you, when you saw Jalen Brown land into the side mm. of his leg and you just saw his leg bend in, you assume the worst. You assume ACL right away. It didn't so. look terrible, but he when he went down, mm. he held it immediately, and you could read his like lips, it and he said, it just popped. Yeah. Right. So definitely we are happy uh, that it was not a torn ACL. That would have mm-hmm. been devastating. Great one sprain. I like that. Better than so that let's go back to Wednesday. That game against the 76ers, uh, they lost 117-109. to 109. Um, this, this was a tough game. They committed a lot of turnovers. Uh, they didn't shoot the ball well at all. They were terrible from the free throw line. So many fouls. Uh, 13 to 20 from the line. And yes, they committed 29 fouls in this game. Tice had five fouls. Nobody's surprised. But so did Tristan Thompson and Grant Williams in this game. Five guys, there are three guys with five fouls. That's generally hashtag not good. Um, I actually, uh, offensively at least, really liked the way Daniel Theus played. He was 10 of 11 from the field. He was perfect from the free throw line, 2 of 2, and perfect from 3. Added in 10 boards. He finished with 23 points. 
10 boards and a steal and assist. He played really well. And uh, I think that's something that they really need from him going down um, or going ahead in the future. Uh, also, Marcus Smart, this game, he actually played pretty well. He shot the ball pretty efficiently except from three-point land. My captain. Uh, 25 points, four boards, four assists. 10 and 19 from the field. Uh, unfortunately, still kind of dog water from three. He was one of six. So uh, he's never going to be good shooting threes. Yeah, you kind of beat me to the punch there. He's <laughs> he's just never going to be good when it comes to that. Three point percentage was something they struggled in this game. In addition to the turnovers, and Jalen Brown did not have his best game either. He had 26 points, but five boards, three assists. Not exciting from your best player on the court. Below 50 percent from the field, and three of 10 from three plus. Missed half his free throws. He took six of them. So this game overall was pretty tough. It was closer than it really should have been down the stretch, the way that they were playing. Um, Embiid dominated this game. He got 21 free throws in this game. Uh, He had 10 boards and 42 points. They just couldn't stop him in this game. How many free throws did the Celtics have as a team attempts? So they had 20, and the 76ers had 45. But Joel had more alone. Yeah, Joel Embiid had more alone the entire Celtics team. So you can kind of get the idea that the Celtics got into the habit of jacking up too many threes and not really getting into the paint to draw some contact. As a nice replay of Jason Tatum hitting a three plays on the screen next to us. We'd love to see that. Fellas, uh, what did you see from this game? I'm sure both of you caught at least a little bit of it. Anything jump out to you in this Wednesday game that they lost against the 76ers? Uh, the Celtics have no answer for Joel Embiid when he's healthy. I mean, not many teams do. Mm-hmm. He's a humongous X factor going forward for the Sixers. But also that the Celtics were in the game without Tatum was a good sign. I think they lost both of them. I wasn't really surprised they lost both of them. But... You know the Sixers are a good team. They're especially good at home, and I think that they'd be a they'd be a good series if they played each other in the playoffs. And I'm sure when the Sixers come to the Celtics, the Celtics will beat them because the Sixers are dog water away from home. So all I took away was the Celtics. Joel Embiid is a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Celtics have no answer for him. You you brought in Tristan Thompson to try to be that answer. Tristan Thompson is trash. He's been. You, he's been how, you hyped him up a little bit at the beginning he's of the season. Been, he's, he's been, been dog bad. water since you talked good about him. Should I talk bad about him then? You Maybe. think that'll work? But he was terrible. No Tatum. You know, it is what it is. Uh, it's a wash for me. You know, they're, Sixers are a good team. Celtics are a good team. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, if, Sixers are indestructible. I'll, be, I'll be surprised if the Sixers come into Boston and beat them. Even without the fans. Because the Sixers are just so bad away from home. <sighs> we'll see. I, I don't... Because of the no fans, I don't I don't love the the prospects of that. But we'll, we'll I, I guess like you said, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, one other thing, Kemba in this game, he played twenty two minutes. He was still in that minutes restriction. Uh, six of fifteen shooting, not good. Um, better than he was against the Knicks in his opener for sure. Uh, Nineteen points, six assists in this one, mm-hmm. um, but definitely not his best output. Uh, Jeff Teague still trash. Jeff Teague is such a disappointment. He was actually. Um, by plus minus, uh, the best player on the court in this game, even though he shot two of seven from the field for five points. But again, I don't want to look. I don't think you can really look into that too too much. Uh, I think that is about it for this game. There's really nothing else notable. They just didn't play well as a team in this one. So moving on to Friday, the second loss that they took in this back to back, one twenty two to one ten. Once again, they had no answer for Joel Embiid who shot 11 of 15, got to the free throw line 15 times. 
and put in another 11 boards and had 38 points. So that's 42 and 38 points in back-to-back games. Plus, Tobias Harris was on fire. He played 41 minutes of this game, missed two shots, and was perfect from three. Added in eight point or eight rebounds, finished with 23 points. He was an absolute beast in this game, and he cooked the Celtics to shreds. This game, though, the Celtics shot a little better. They were about 36% from three. They got it up to 40 in this one. They hit 12 threes in both games. They took less in the second one, only a few more. Uh, they hit their free throws a little better. They hit 16 to 20. It's kind of crazy that they hit the same amount of threes and they took the same amount of free throws in both these games. But nonetheless, uh, they shot better, but they just didn't defend better. And the 76ers loaded in 122 points on these guys. Uh, again, no answer for Embiid. Thompson struggling. Theus didn't do too much of this game, but he only took three shots. So I'm not going to really um, go too crazy on him about that. But Jalen Brown was absolutely fantastic in this game. He had 42 points, mm. 16 to 28 shooting. That's like a, a crazy amount. He tied his uh, career high. Yeah, that's a crazy stat line um, for field goals. He was much better from three in this game. So was Marcus Smart. He only took five threes in this game, so a lot better for him. Still 7-17 to from the floor, so it was pretty dog water. Um, but he did hop in 20 points, 7 assists in this one. Kemba was more encouraging in this game. 8-16 to from the field. Still dog water from three. One of seven. Uh, definitely doo-doo, but hopefully he is trending in a better direction overall. Uh, he put in three boards, five assists on this one. He was a minus 21. That was the worst on the team, unfortunately. So kind of highlights the defensive liability that comes with uh, with Kemba Walker. Is Theus with a nice tip-in as I start talking a little lowly. He starts to turn me around. He's been playing really well recently. When we get to the Cavs game, we'll talk a little more about that. Um as far as, yeah, so this game is another defensive problem, and rebounding was a, another struggle. They got out-rebounded really badly in this game, 32-45 to 45 in this one. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, definitely an improvement, but not enough to really change anything against a good team like Philadelphia. Do you guys have any thoughts on this game or more of the same from Wednesday night? The same. They were yeah. the same team, so. Yeah. I felt like these are good losses, though, to have early in the season against a team that you might face in the playoffs, it's, especially without Tatum. You kind of see what, what you have, what went down. They changed their attempts with Joel Embiid, which I enjoyed. It it almost swung in our direction, the momentum, because at one point in the game, Joel Embiid had two fouls early in the first quarter, I remember. Mm-hmm. And then even before halftime, he was already at three fouls, and he was very angry hitting water bottles out of this guy's hand, everything. But they couldn't slow him down at all. Even with the double teams, the rotation, everything, it was working. But, again, everyone else contributed on the on the Sixers. That didn't help. I believe that was the game Seth Curry was back, too. Yes. And he was phenomenal. He, like, didn't miss a shot. None um, of them did. They shot 55% from the field. Yeah. And all their starters, except for Danny Green, shot over 60% from the field. Right. So the Celtics, it's a good loss in my opinion because they're in their home. You know, you got to expect that. I thought they were going to come out a little with a little more fire under their bum, but it just it didn't work out. Joel Embiid's still bald. The mm-hmm. ending, it was it was getting close, and then Ben Simmons just took over the game. Like, three possessions in a row pretty much slammed the door on us. And that was that. Joel Embiid had another big game. Pretty much countered Jalen Brown's game. And then everyone else in the Celtics was kind of just 
moot. Yeah, um, the efficiency from Smart and, and, and Kemba, just not enough to compete with the way the 76ers shot the ball. Uh, really, only a few of their guards and Danny Green ended up having bad days for the 76ers, and it didn't even matter. So, uh, moving on to a little more bright spot of the past week of games was that Cavaliers game last night. They destroyed them by 38 points, 141 to 103. I literally wrote down nothing in the bad section for this game. Um, Everything was working for them. Um, Even even the likes of Marcus Smart had a great game. Uh, He again, I feel like when Smart shoots less, the Celtics play better. He was five of eight from the field, twelve points. You know, he had nine assists. Like that's the Marcus Smart I want to see more of. Uh, really, only Tristan Thompson sucked in this one. He was two of seven from the field, which is embarrassing because Carson Edwards was seven of twelve for eighteen points in nineteen minutes. Um, but yeah, right at halftime, starters I don't even think saw much of a lick in the second half, if any. Um, yeah, there were forty going into the fourth quarter, so they didn't even play them at all. Exactly, yeah, which so. was good because they they as they're playing right now in the second half back to back. That mm-hmm. rest was crucial. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So uh, definitely a great game by these guys all around. Um, they rebounded the ball much better. Fifty five boards in this game. Um, they created lots of turnovers. Uh, the Cavaliers had seventeen turnovers in this game. Uh, Celtics still have 15, so turnovers are still there, but the majority of these turnovers came in with the bench players when they rolled in in that second half anyways, so I'm not too concerned. Uh, Tremont Waters and Time Lord still find their way to be a minus on the day in a 38-point victory, so that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Robert Williams played 15 minutes, Waters played 12. I still love Robert Williams regardless of that stat line. He had 9.6 boards in that game. Waters had two points on one of four shooting. Waters we could go without. Yeah, um, that's I liked for sure. him a little bit last year, but that was just based off of camp. and. So let me, let me ask you this. Yeah, he's before, not NBA before caliber. Before you say anything else, <laughs> what did you just say? He's not NBA caliber, no way. Uh, okay, so that's funny because I was just going to ask you about Carson Edwards and uh, Tremont Waters. We've talked about this several times over the past few weeks. Um, do you think these two are NBA point guards? Are they, are they NBA caliber guards? No. Carson no. Edwards is better than Tremont Waters, but both of them don't belong in the NBA. Yeah, if you had to choose one, I would choose yeah. Carson over Tremont. And Carson Edwards is on the court right now with four minutes left in the first he, quarter. He came out with like seven minutes left. He's been out there for a few, mm. surprisingly. But yeah, all the all the bench guys got in this game against Cleveland. They were all balling in this one. Um, so now it's that time of the podcast where we talk about our favorite player. My favorite part of the pod. Do you want to update us on the, uh, the tracker? Okay, yeah, give me a sec. Okay, uh, so while he's doing that, let's run through his stat line. He only played in the Cleveland game. He got, he was injured in the first 76ers game. Back spasms was the injury, I think. Yeah. Wink, back spasms, wink, wink. Wink, And then he got a DMP coach's decision in the second game against Philadelphia. But in this Cavaliers game, Aaron Nesmith had the greatest game ever for him. Uh, career high in points. Smart, Marcus Smart with a nice step-back jumper. That's, that's, if he's hitting those, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, I got to pull up if you want it. All right. So let me read off Nesmith's stat line. He played 17 minutes in this game, 4 or 6 from the field, 3 or 5 from deep. Uh, he got 6 boards, 1 assist. He had no turnovers and only 2 personal fouls. You know, we've been ranking on him for all these fouls he's been racking up when he's been on the court. 
And he finished a plus five. So a plus is always good. That's more than Grant Williams. It's more than, uh, well, I was going to say Tremont Waters, but obviously we knew that. Um, and he finished with a career-high 11 points in this game. So with that being said, let's hear from Jonathan and the bookie about the tracker update for Aaron Nesmith. What do we got? This is from the bookie. So the bookies, Aaron Nesmith, uh, did not play coach's decision tracker. Uh, did not play coach's decision eight games. Games played six, so he's climbing up, climbing up. Did not play back spasm one. Uh, best shooter in the draft. That's why he won the lottery. The lottery, I might add. Best shooter in the draft. Six of 21 from three so far, 29%. Actually raised his percentage by 10 points between oh, came into yesterday's game it's a and size. yesterday's game with three threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's so cooking. He's trending. I will say he would have a green arrow next to his name, but it'll be interesting to see if he plays in this game. I hope he does. Watching him out there is like it's it's like he's a meme every time he comes on the court. I just like beg for him to get the ball. And he's shoot. like Taco, but like you have more malicious intentions. Yeah, yeah. Like I just love when he plays. It's absolutely must watch for the wrong reasons. But it's absolutely <laughs> it's absolute must watch. Like, hey, I want to eat crow on him. I want to. I want him to like be Do a you contributor. Know? Are you sure about yeah. that? Because I've already been we the other guy, be. the other guy that I hate on, I've been completely vindicated on. Another Celtic player? No, no, we're talking about the, the one, the one and that only. I've been, on, I've been telling you he's garbage since the beginning. Yeah, the best receiver in that draft, I remember. And I've been completely and one hundred percent vindicated on my position of that. Yeah, we we can agree on Thus that. Thus far, yep. Uh, keeping it, he's gonna get cut. Like he's literally gonna get like okay, whatever. This, is, this, this isn't a football podcast. Yeah, I can't stop you though from that. I can't. I can't. Um, but yeah, so uh, one of the things I guess I would like to propose. Do you think this will be a confidence booster for him? Do you think this will give him that boost that he needs so he'll get some more valuable minutes instead of I mean, just garbage time? And if, if he gets if he gets a DMP coaching decision tonight, it, all it means is that it was complete and utter garbage time. Mm-hmm. The yeah, only reason he was playing was because he they had a second half of back to back and they were up by so much. Mm. Either way, I like it though. Minutes are minutes. Get your shots up, Yeah, kid. I mean, seeing the ball go in can only help. Wrong. Speaking of getting your shots up, so we talked a little bit about Kemba. Uh, this game, he was 7-12, much better. He had 21 points, uh, 5 boards, 4 assists in 24 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, really good game for Kemba. Looking healthy. Yeah. I mean, the way he... We said this last week. The way he's moved around has been... He can get to his spot. Awesome. Yeah. He's, he's like moving around beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's just his shot isn't there yet. Which is rust. But he's been trending in the right direction. Um, do you, how many more games would you guys say it's gonna take until Kemba really gets back to Kemba form? Seven I, total. I legitimately think what he is now is what he is. Okay. Like he's still good. I thought he's been good the last couple of games. I mean, sometimes his shots dog water. Sometimes his shots pretty good. But I think he is like he'll his minutes will. Cu- increase a little bit so his stats will get up a little bit but do like, you do you think he's just going to be for the rest of the season he's going to be a king of inconsistency where you're going to see flashes of prime Kemba and then also like really bad shooting games yeah I think he's going to be a little bit like old friend Gordon Hayward if he's in the healthy, sense that like there's some games you're like wow this guy's nasty and then there's some games like you're like man where is he mm-hmm. his three-point shot has been sus I agree but again it's more of a rust thing than anything 
he was an all-star last year, even with injury. Well, he so, didn't get hurt till the second half of the year. Right, but he, still, though, I don't think he got hurt second half of the year. I think he was hurt, playing hurt, and then they just declared him hurt mm. after. Because he went good. through the all-star game hurt. He's still good. I think I, he's great for a best third best player on your team. I would like to see him, honestly, I would like to see him play off the ball. I'd like to see them give more, Once he more gets run in, the offense through Smart or Tatum, yeah. even Brown sometimes. When he gets into a groove and he gets his shot really back, I, I would definitely agree. I'd like to see him working on his shot more so than anything uh, instead of you know running off pick and rolls and really just use that to their advantage because I think that's that's probably where they can really get some increased scoring from. Although his shot hasn't been great, his movement laterally, all of it, has looked great. He looks healthy. Yeah, he looks healthy. Which and it's, that's the most important thing. That helps the most, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. he's on the court. His presence is enough than anything, and he can get to the lane. Still, he makes he makes creates space. Everything. So, although he doesn't have a great three right now, he's been driving. He's been putting in his body and everything. So, I I think the three will like the shot will come. It's just time. That's all it is. I mean, you sit around he for that many time. months. I mean, it's just a, it's just what it is what it is. You sit around mm-hmm. for that long, and you're on the bench. You come out finally. You're playing. I mean, you're gonna have a little rust. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's talk about we talked about Daniel Theus a little bit. How how important would you say that Daniel Theus is to the success of this team, like from a scoring perspective, or do you think there's another aspect of the game that Theus needs to have an impact on for the Celtics to have improved success going forward? He's more important defensively than he is offensively. He needs to be more important. The Celtics have plenty, like. Their style power of Tatum, Hayward, I mean Tatum Brown, Kemba, they got they got enough they got enough scoring. At least enough guys that are gonna shoot. They the need ball. someone that can like really defend the rim. I need him to be a superstar defender in the playoffs because he he's he's pretty good throughout the last couple of years during the regular season, but where we fall is once we get to a team like last year against the Heat. Bam destroyed him Cooked the whole him. series every pick and roll every time he shot every time they he posted up on him it was just destruction and it, it didn't work out and i mean now it's gonna be the same thing but with tristan i think it, it i know he's not he's not looking great but his body defensively might be enough to kind of alter your i think mindset. it just i think it really comes back to the the people that tried to make an excuse like that the Celtics wanted Tristan Thompson over Miles Turner. Like, come on. No way. For Miles would Turner Miles would Turner. be so much better on the 100%. Celtics right now. Like, the, the Dan Greenberg. At least Miles Turner can shoot and all that, too. That, like, we're like, you know, they didn't want to trade for Miles Turner. They wanted Tristan Thompson. Like, please, please stop. Tristan Thompson was a good pickup, though, compared to, like, not getting anyone at I mean, all, though. I mean, True. yes, he's better than, than playing a small forward or, like, playing Grant Williams <laughs> as your center. <laughs> right. But, like... I just think they dropped the ball on that. I mean, if Gordon Hayward's going to go to Charlotte the whole time, yeah, but I am pretty sure if, if Danny just pulled the trigger right away earlier on the day in that Friday, Gordon Hayward was fine going to Indiana. And then Charlotte kind of came out of the out of like left field and offered him that massive contract. Ooh, nice. Javante Green with a three. That's something you don't see very often in this game. Celtics are leading by eight currently with almost... Get that uh, two for one, too. Yeah, almost to the end of the first quarter here. Uh, one of the last things I want to get to before we wrap things up, uh, just a little talk about Tatum. Uh, we're very excited to have Tatum back on the court. Um, but do you think 
take out everything that you've seen so far in this first quarter against the Bulls. Mm. Do you think it's going to take Tatum a certain amount of games to uh, really get back into like Tatum form, or do you think he's going to come out firing? He came out firing tonight. I said take this game oh. out. Oh, no, then no. I, think I don't he's think fine. Tatum needs much time to get Dude, back he's to only, form. He's, he's only two years old. He's yeah. fine. Yeah. He's yeah. only been out for, like, what, now, 10 days yeah. total? And yeah, it's not like that long. Weeks. And before that, he was balling out, too. Mm-hmm. And this kind of comes naturally to him. He's a stud scorer, top 10 in the yeah. league, talent, He'll like that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, I mean, a top, yeah. Even right, I love that. that. Whoa, even beyond that. Talent-wise? Top five? Going in forward? Yeah, he's 22 years old. Going forward, he's top five. In the league. Like, right now. No, I'm saying going oh, okay. forward. <laughs> okay, okay. No, but he's fine. borderline. I think he might be top ten right now. He's That's close. He's close. He's I, definitely in the back end of the top ten conversation. Yeah. We'll definitely agree on that. All right, so the last thing, uh, just looking forward, the next three games, obviously they're playing right now against the Bulls. We'll talk more about the rest of that game next week. Uh, then they go to San Antonio, I believe, Wednesday, and then they go... Uh, well, whether they go or play at home, I honestly could care less. Uh, but they have the Lakers on Saturday. That's at home. That one is at home on ABC. Um, any thoughts going forward into those games or anything you're hoping for, expecting to win, see? Win, win, win. They blew the Spurs out at home in San Antonio last year. It was actually a game Gordon Hayward uh, broke his hand, if you remember that. Yeah, he was, playing, he was balling out. He <clears throat> broke it on Bob. Time yeah, he went around the pick, yeah. Yeah. I that. But the, I think before then, the Celtics had lost like 15 straight years or something in San Antonio. It was like, even at, even during when they had the big three, they just, they could not win in San Antonio. So I am worried. I feel like the Celtics always play like dog water in Texas. I don't know what it is. I feel like they always play bad against the Rockets. They always play bad against the Spurs. Even the Mavs, they don't play that good against. Mm-hmm. Something about when they get down that little corner. Even the Pelicans, too. Down that, like... Down south. Down that little corner there. Makes you think. Like, yeah. I'm worried about their game on Wednesday. <laughs> the Spurs, I don't know what it is. The Spurs aren't that good of a team, either. They're not, but sometimes they can be very annoying. Yeah. I'm excited for the Lakers so game, mostly. So, I, they... I'm I, more nervous about the Lakers game. That's a game that I'm really interesting to see game. how well yeah. they play. Yeah, I agreed. I uh, hope that they hold on, but, yeah, I think they should win this game. They should win the San Antonio game. I got win, win, win. I got two and one. I would also say two and one. I'm going three and other streaking. Um, That's what's going to happen. All right. Do you guys have any last thoughts before we wrap it up? Or are we good to go? Go Aaron Eastman. All right. Let's go, Mike. Celtics captain. are going into the second quarter right now. They're up 33-25 as the second quarter begins in Chicago. We'll have the rest of that game covered next week. Uh, shout out to Marcus joining us on this week's edition of the Cool Zone Pod. Hopefully we can get you back on later on in the season at some point. We appreciate you being here. As always, follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod. DMs are open for any questions, anything you want to hear. Go follow Mouth Enough Sports and all our other podcasts. But for now, Nick Brown, John Sullivan, and this week Marks the Tape all signing off. DS hit our music, kid. <laughs>